Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Conspiranormal. Everybody, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. We're sitting here in, uh, I guess, kind of newish kind of studio, otherwise known as the living room. Yeah, I think this is Studio C now because Studio <laughs> B is no more. Yeah, Studio B is no more. So now we're hanging out at my house uh, yet again. It started at my place, which was a different place through all the permutations, and here we are. So, you got some nice little kind of like man-made lake or, or pond back here yeah 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 that's real. it's it's real nice we got a we got a nice view here and uh we got a couple of great guests for you guys uh we've got tim banal hey what's going on everybody what's up tim it's good to have you as always and uh aaron gullius is with us as hey. well. hey how's it going guys very well aaron thanks for uh coming on to being a part of it um I guess what we're kind of doing is officially launching with you guys a countdown to the Strange Realities Conference that both of you guys are going to be part of here in October, October 15th through 17th, as we keep saying ad infinitum to you guys who are disgusted with it. Uh, And we're going to continue to beat that dead horse until you buy a ticket. Yes. So, uh, guys, we're hoping, uh, I think, Tim, I think you're definitely coming here to Nashville. Aaron, I don't know. I'm not sure uh, whether you're coming or you're going to do it remotely, but uh, we'll figure that out soon. I we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. It'd be great to. It would be great to have you here in uh, in, in Nashville. So, if you if you can make it, I will do my best to yeah. make make that happen. We'll take you on some synchro mystic honky tonking. Right. Nice. Right. Well, you know things are. I'm about to kind of 
hear pretty soon kind of ask who's coming and who isn't. Um, so, but you know, things are still kind of up in the air, but I mean, things are, things are getting better. I don't know how, you know, it is where you guys are, but, uh, here it's, it's generally the cases are pretty low. So, well, Michigan is the Florida of the North. So (laughs) having some, some struggles, but I think it's, it's getting, it's getting better, or at least, uh, the policies are pretending it is, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's settling down. It's settling down. Yeah. It's not so bad here. I think it's pretty much cleared up here now. So yeah, Mm -hmm. seems pretty good. It's weird because I was like, uh, man, it was like the beginning of last year. I had both of you guys on and we talked about, we talked about the coronavirus and we all weren't too sure certain what was really going on at that time. And now here we kind of are at the other end of the tunnel. So yeah, we were, we were talking about a lot of those like early conspiracies about the, the origin of the virus. And then like everything switched to just like denialism. And now it seems like it's back to, uh, the origins again. I don't know how people kind of had this double, double thinking going on, but, uh, it's, it's back to that, which I mean, there's a lot more, you know, to, to that possibly than, than the denialism, but it is strange. Yeah, it's yeah. funny you well, I just want to say I'll let Aaron jump off here, but yeah, I was <laughs> I was gonna say it's funny you say that because before I, I was thinking about it and I wanted to make sure that I <laughs> that I bragged that we that Aaron, well last time you had Aaron and I on, we told you we tried to warn you all about this coronavirus. <laughs> we tried Profits. to tell you. This <laughs> is like pre-Tom Hanks getting sick. It was like that. <laughs> that's how ahead of the curve we were. We were yeah, like, this is gonna probably be pretty bad, everyone. So you know, who knows? Who knows what we'll predict tonight? Oh gosh, we're yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some damage here. But um, <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna say that um, Benal's series of interviews with um, with um, Dr. Cockjohn was uh, was really sort of interesting and sort of chronicling the ongoing um, the ongoing saga of of uh, everything unfolding. And and we did we did predict that uh, this would be. Um, an actual thing. So, um, can congratulate us for being able to read the newspapers and, uh, right, draw right. logical conclusions from them. Yes. Right. Right. Well, you know, I was listening, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, Aaron, but I was listening to your show about Richard Boylan today. Uh, the one that your latest one, but the intergalactic diplomacy or whatever. And, uh, you know, the anti-vax stuff comes up in all his stuff. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's all it's all part of the it's all part of the um, the, the the plot and and sort of the, the 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 cabal trying to control things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like so. It's like what goes around comes around, and it's getting so crazy right now with the anti-vaccination uh, material that I read today that uh, here in Tennessee, the, this is East Tennessee. This is a couple hundred miles away, but uh there was a this woman that plowed into like with her suv plowed into a vaccination distribution place and was screaming no vaccine no vaccine yeah yeah i sent that i sent that to serfiel earlier in the day and uh, i know people are just losing their minds yeah and social media really just it really just really just um, escalates this stuff. Oh yeah, people people get into their their social media bubbles of the 
you know, algorithmically curated content they see, and they, they see it over and over again from what looks like a number of different sources. And um, it, it's like, well, I'm seeing this all over the place. Well, no, you're, you're seeing it in like three places that are, you know, serving you what they think you will engage with because that's how they make money. You know, so, you know, the, the, the whole, I mean, I mean, if I really meant this, I'd, you know, get off it forever, but social media is not good and, and people should leave, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's not a, a great way to consume information, but that's how a lot of people do, even when it's through, you know, various different sort of actual outside news organizations, not just, you know, stuff within, uh, you know, people's opinions and things, you know, you're still sort of seeing, seeing things that, that you're already sort of primed to either agree with or just get angry about. And that's not the most, you know, reasoned way to go through life. Right. And even though I think we all here value education, uh, just because someone has doctor in front of their name <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean everything that they say is true. And you might want to uh, look, look at their background and who these uh, people with these minority opinions actually are are yes that's a good point because there are some you can you can give your organ you know, regardless of of what your credentials are you can give an organization any name you want and it sounds like doctors for i don't know doctors for medical freedom or some I, that that might be a real organization i don't know but it sounds like wow these doctors are for medical freedom i should pay attention to them and it's it's like you know one crazy guy and three marketing people you know in a storage unit somewhere and you know it, it's yeah, it's it's very difficult to to sort of vet all of the information that uh, that we come across, and 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 doing background checking on uh, on on people is is difficult, um, especially when organizations and people seem to uh, seem to spring up out of nowhere, or people you didn't realize had a certain perspective suddenly have a certain perspective seemingly out of nowhere. Um, sort of, I think it made some some national news uh, this week. My little suburb here in Michigan um, had a uh, had a protest about a uh, local school board member who has become a, a full-on QAnon person. And um, the, the, uh, the, the social media posts for and against is like, you know, she's a conspiracy theorist. We need to recall her. And other people are saying, well, she just has, it's, she's, she's being canceled, you know, for her conservative values. And, you know, it just went on and on. And, you know, when, when she was elected, you know, I don't think QAnon was a thing when she was elected. So, or if it was, it was a very sort of, it was still in its, in its infancy, but so it wasn't really, you know, a factor in the election and nobody pays attention to school board elections anyway, sadly, um, you know, vote for two. Okay. These two are at the top. I guess I'm voting for them. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, you never know what views people might have. And, and then you find out and then, you know, politically and, and sort of socially, what do we do with, um, you know, extremist views in, in our midst. Well, the Birchers are really big on the school boards, you know, so maybe the QAnon are getting a, taking a page from that. Yeah. Oh yeah. School boards are a, are a good place. If you want to, if, if you want, yeah, if you're on that end of the spectrum and you want to sort of push an agenda, uh, you can, you can do that and get on a school board and you can couch that in terms that people will think are, you know, pretty darn benign. 
and, uh, and, and, and reasonable. And um, I think this person campaigned on a promise of keeping third party actors out of our schools. Um, so which, which could mean anything. And yeah, I was about to ask, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Dangerous outside influences corrupting our precious children and our, and draining our precious bodily fluids. Right. <laughs> I, I knew um, you were going there. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it is pretty predictable, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's, yeah, it's it's weird, and it's sort of tangential to the whole thing. But you know, the the sort of information processing and information and and, and media um, awareness, I, I think, has been become much more uh, much more difficult to to critically analyze things. Much more people to, much more difficult to get people to critically analyze things um, in the last, I'd say. 5,000 years, but uh, especially the last, you know, dozen or so. Well, that's when the Kali Yuga started was about 5,000 years ago. Yes. That's a, that's a coincidence. Uh, well, you know, speaking of uh, board meetings. Uh, uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, I saw oh, I know exactly what you're going to ask yeah, me. The flat earth guy that got uh, escorted out of the, what was it? Was it a zoning meeting or something like that? It was a town, it was city council meeting in yeah. uh some town i think in new york i don't have it in front of me i should call it up but yeah yeah it was new york i think it was like waterford new york or something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah what they had it was like parks and rec what they have is like open mic you know so people can bring up their own issues <laughs> like you know i don't know that the trash people come too early in the morning or whatever or you know <laughs> that kind of shit like oh we, we want speed bumps in this part of town or anything like that yeah. so the guy <laughs> you uh i don't know if you guys have links or whatever to share with people but <coughs> the, this flat earther he goes there apparently he goes there all the time and he takes over the open mic part to try and educate the town about the flat earth um and apparently they had enough of this so they were like okay <laughs> you, you know, I think they were trying to like change the rules. So you're not allowed, you have, you know, that you only get three minutes or something. But anyway, he, he get up there. This was like uh, earlier this month. And he's like, they know him. They're like, Billy. Okay, hey, Billy. Okay. You know? And uh, well, the great part is this is all on film and he filmed it from his, his point of view. So it's like, he, he's like holding the camera, like right at, I don't know, at chest level or something. So it's like, it's like crazy person point of view, the whole thing. So you're just like behind the fucking podium. And he's like, I have a document here, a NASA document that I would like to read. And the fucking mayor of the town is, is like, he's like, Billy, Billy. And he's got the gavel and he's like, he's like, Billy, no, Billy, no, no, Billy. And the guy just keeps going and he's like, Billy, the city doesn't have any jurisdiction over NASA and therefore uh, this is really not the time and the place to discuss this. So the guy just keeps going. He doesn't give a fuck. He just keeps, he just starts reading this crazy NASA document about how it proves the earth is flat. And then they convene the meeting and uh, they, they all, they convene the meeting and then they all, uh, they all, uh, they call recess. So all the people go out into the back, um, the, you know, the city council. Then they, then there's a cop comes over to the flat earther and it's like, you have to imagine like 
the video is like looking up. I'm doing it now, like in my chair. He's like looking up at the at the cop. So you're like, so you're looking at the cop, and the cops are looking down. And he's like, "You gotta, Billy. You can't do this shit. You know, if you keep this up, you you know, you can either stay and not say anything, or you can, uh, you know, or or you can, um, you know, or you can go." So the fucking mayor comes out and he's like, "All right, you know, I think you I think you got the message, Billy." And then, uh, so then Billy like fucking storms up to the microphone. This is all true. This all really happened, folks. So Billy storms up to the microphone and he's like, I, I want to file a, a redress. Uh, my civil rights are being, are being trampled on and you're violating my constitutional rights. And, da, 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 and the mayor's like, he just he's like pretty much loses his shit, but like in a mayoral way. So he's just like, <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough, Billy. I've given you all the chances I can. You stay, and you say nothing, or you leave. And if you and if you want to stay, and if you won't be quiet, we're gonna have you arrested. And the flyer, the guy's like, I don't know So then the fucking cops come over, and they fucking arrest him, and they take him out. And it's all it's it's like reverse, rele- reverse. What's that? What's the police? Ca- it's like reverse police camera. It's like the dude being arrested. And right. he's like, I don't know why I'm standing. It was, <laughs> it's really, he arrests, he gets arrested. And like, it, you know, it's all this dead air and quiet and like, cause it's real. And, um, and so, you know, he's like getting arrested and it's kind of quiet for a while. Then also you just hear the flat earth guy go like, uh, I'm st- I don't know why you're doing this. I'm standing up for your rights. And I was just like, holy shit. So yeah, that's the story of the flat earther who uh, who disrupted the city council meeting um, in in New York, but quite quite a uh, yeah one of the funnier stories I've seen in a while. Oh, Amazing, man. speaking truth to power. That's exactly. right. He's, he's yeah. gonna get those round heads. That's that's the thing. It's like, what did he hope to accomplish by you know he's he's got. I guess that was his little niche, and he just wanted to. To, to say it somewhere to someone but the best the best part of the video the best part of the video was we have no authority over nasa we don't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's the best part you know, i watched the video earlier today yeah it's great and the mayor is just like a car you know you can just tell he's like just had enough of this dude's shit and like I, I couldn't even do the ga- the gavel part well. It was just like this this cacophony of fucking the gavel, him being like Billy, Billy, stop, 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 and the fucking the dude just like the planetary alignment. And if you fly over this NASA document from 1973, uh, and he says it's just like such a scene. I can only imagine what the people watching like uh, just were like, holy shit, what is going on here? Um. Well, when there was all the the mask debate stuff going on, I mean, you had several people that, you know, I mean, I remember seeing that stuff from like from here in this area. There were several people getting up there and just like introducing some of the wildest shit. Into, oh God! Yeah. Into like the public record and yeah, city crazy. yeah city councils especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think my favorite was the um the the sort of theory or or I'm, I. I too generous to call it a theory but the the allegation that um the mask mandates were 
some sort of prelude to Sharia law and and like forced veiling. Oh, I didn't think about that angle. Yeah, there oh, were a yeah, few people smooth. who were who were going on about that, and I'm just like, no, that, it's, it's not it's not how it works. My favorite is the uh, the people. This is even complicated. The people who don't like, who think that the people who have the vaccine can somehow now give you coronavirus, like the, the vaccine shedding or whatever. So now all these people, these people who wouldn't wear a mask all this time, now they'll wear a mask to protect them from the people who've been vaccinated. It's like, what is so backwards? Like, <laughs> now you'll wear a fucking mask? Like, now you'll wear a mask. Like, it's, it's, what? It's, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? absolutely it really is. i think it's something to do with like they're shedding whatever it is that the right. vaccine causes and then you've got the whole thing about the vaccine is causing the variants and that's something that serfiella actually was referencing earlier and my other favorite one lately has been everybody that's had the vaccine is going to be dead in five years or are dead by the this fall yeah we're, yeah we're i heard that odds are i would be anyway <laughs> yeah yeah well let's let's talk a little bit of, let's talk a little bit about ufos and yeah since we're not uh we're not covid deniers but uh some of us may be disclosure deniers oh boy oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess that we're i don't know i don't know if i'm necessarily anti-disclosure but if you know but I never think it's gonna happen shocking all this stuff about I did not watch the 60 minutes piece. Oh, wow. I did not really care that much, to be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, it just seems like it's just the same thing that's again and again on repeat. You know, this is just an outgrowth of the 2017 documentation, and we're just kind of saying it again. And I'm sure certain people will be angry for me for me with me for saying that, but... Did any of you guys watch the 60 Minutes thing? Was there anything that you came back that you were like, hmm, I didn't know that, or or that's uh, new, or was there I anything did not watch that it. was... Yeah. I watched it. In fairness, I was paid to watch it, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but the... Yeah, it was really just a rehash. Um, and quite frankly, like, I can't follow the story as closely as even I would like to sometimes, I guess. Um, but it's just, it's just this fast moving, rapidly unfolding story. And it's like, especially in the last 10 days or so, um, there wasn't anything. The only thing in, it, uh, that was sort of a preface to what I was going to say. The only thing I caught in the segment that I thought was new was that Chris Mellon said that he's the one that got the videos that the three famous videos that got released like at the end of 2017, early 2018. And quite frankly, Oh, oh geez. That's Chris Savia from uh, the anomalist. Don't call me Savia. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> so, no, I hung up on him. Shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, and and that, like, like that, that's the only thing I heard that I was like, oh, I didn't know that before. But like, quite frankly, that could have, that could be old news. Cause like, I don't follow this with like a fine tooth comb. There are people that like listen to every media appearance by these guys um, and, and follow everything that happens. And it's like, that that's like a full-time job. And I, I, 
I have to dedicate my what I do to all kinds of other shit. I, you know, I was joked the other night that I'm like a veterinarian. I got to do UFOs and Bigfoot and ghosts, like a, a dog and a cat and a chicken. Like I have to be able to do to diagnose all those things. So I can't be, I can't be a dog slash UFO specialist. Um, so that's the only thing that came out of it that I that I didn't know, but it could have been old news for all I know, quite frankly. So, um, yeah. It's exhausting. This whole thing is exhausting to follow. Um, you know, you could spend all day dip reading these different op-eds and everything. And, uh, you know, it's an unfolding story. It's hard to really, you know, I, I feel uh, part of me is just like, ah, uh, don't even try not to <laughs> weigh in too much. Cause uh, no matter what you say, like things are going to be different in a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like how fast moving this is. Like we, on my show, we don't really ever, I don't want to do anything like in the moment. Cause like five, 10 years from now, we, we, we might look dopey. We might look smart. We might look, we might look prescient, but at the same time, it's like, who the fuck wants to listen to us talking about what's on the news right now <laughs> when it's like five or six years later. So, I mean, I don't, it, it, it's, it's unfolding. It's I'm kind of just taking a way to see wait and see approach to all this. Um, you know, I feel like this is all a bunch of hype until we get to, whatever this thing is that this report, it's all we're hearing about is this report, the report, the report. And so now it's just kind of like, all right, let's just get on with the report already and, and see what that that's going to be. Well, I think, I think it's one thing within our subculture and there's many different camps within the subculture, but you know, what does the general public think? Has the general public really batted an eye about, uh, or, or about this? You know, that's, that's the thing is like, you know, I'm sure that there's some people that be like, "Oh, cool, there's there's things flying around that we don't know what they are." And I mean, but that's kind of how it's been, right? I mean, the whole UFO and what it stands for, besides <laughs> un- unprecedented financial opportunity. That's oh, right. I never heard that one before. Oh, but then all, don't you listen to my show? I must have missed that one. <laughs> but uh, I, I just don't really see that there's anything that's new compared to what came out in 2017 it seems like we're still in the same place and and i mean aaron you know i know that you're you're researching your book or you're writing your book right now and i know that the disclosure movement is one of the subjects that you're writing about uh like i guess a conspiracy theory that is uh optimistic or you know about the future yeah, it, actually, the book is is I'm I'm done. It's it's with the uh, with the publisher, um, which means my life has become um, a little more a uh, little 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 more um, less a little more less hectic. Um, but yeah, the the idea is is conspiracy theories that um, that have a positive outcome as opposed to you know the alien hybrids taking over or us being placed in um, you know, FEMA death camps for being right thinking patriotic types. And, um, when I look at the, the disclosure movement, I sort of, sort of looked at it, um, through the lenses of Stephen Greer's, uh, especially his, his early days, um, sort of the nineties and early two thousands. And then, um, Richard Boylan, Dr. Richard Boylan and, and his stuff. And then later I sort of looked at how Michael Sala's exopolitics stuff very much, um, you know, sort of glommed on to QAnon and began interpreting QAnon posts through a uh, through a disclosure lens. So, yeah, the the disclosure movement has been um, has been one of those things that's been been cooking for a while, and it's I, the stuff that's going on now. Um, like I've said a lot, I'm I'm a history person. I don't do current events. Um, 
let's let it shake out and see what happens. I've got some some opinions just based on people I've talked to, not like people who know things necessarily, but people who are smarter than me, who who see patterns that I may not, that that make me think of some things that I, you know, that, you know, this might be. I I wouldn't be surprised if if this is going to end up with some sort of appropriations for further study and that there are going to be people who benefit from those appropriations. Hmm. And I would like to sort of see the lines between those benefiting from the appropriations and the people pushing the narrative. I'm not saying there are any, but I don't know. That's that's generally how all of this stuff works. I don't have any actual information, but I mean, it's the political system. This is how things work. You drum up interest, you get Congress interested, Congress allocates money, you spend the money, um, you say you need more money, and then then it goes on until you're the CIA. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm deeply, deeply cynical about um, everything like this. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. The one thing that I've kind of thought lately is uh, just that this the UFO people. So you guys probably still have some UFO uh, fans who listen. I think I oh, think I'm sure we do. I think yeah. I've lost a lot of UFO Twitter. Or they, don't, <laughs> they don't listen to my show anymore. I'm not sure that UFO Jesus still listens to us, but uh, if he if he ever did at all, but it, he'll you, UFO he'll come back, right? Isn't that how it works? Um, <laughs> something like that on the third on the third day yeah that time the third day of disclosure um (laughs) but this comes from a place from a place of love um in the sense that like i just feel like uh the ufo crowd they're kind of playing a dangerous game here um they're relying on all this stuff that came from the government they're hoping the government's gonna what say that it's aliens um and if the government, and I mean, I've seen Mick West's stuff. It it's, seems to hold up to me. Um, and it's like, if let's say the government comes out with this report and they completely debunk all this material that has captivated the general public for so long, it, it could set UFO research back like a generation. Because all these people who were like, kind of all these people on the fence, all these, you know, the, the general public who were like, oh, this is, this could be, this is interesting. Oh, they're really getting serious about this, this UFO stuff, you know? And then if the government comes out and they're like, no, it turns out it was this, that, and the other thing, then a lot of those people are going to be like, I knew it was all bullshit. So it's, as I said, uh, it's kind of, I feel like uh, a lot of the UFO community who are sort of really excited about this and I'd say just, you know, cool, cool your jets, man. Cause uh, you're putting all your eggs into this Tic Tac basket. And if the bottom falls out of it, then everyone's going to look, you know, the, the whole community is going to look kind of silly, you know? So that's, that'll be the so, end of ufology, just like it was after the Condon report, just like it was after the report on Roswell, just like, yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing, Tim. I'm just saying there will be, right. there will be the, the perennial voices who come out and say, well, that report wasn't the real report. The, the real report, you know, they shelved that because of, you know, pick a reason. And so they had to do this other report, but the real reports, you know, out there and it's coming and, 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 you know, there's going to be another video and then there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And there's going to be another, uh, another musician who, you know, quits his band <laughs> and starts a UFO entertainment company and then gets kicked out of that or whatever. Um, it, it's just going to go on and on and on. It is, um, right. it is, it's, it's the myth of Sisyphus only um, less <laughs> profound. 
but there could be like another wave of uh, like a remarginalization for a while, and it maybe goes and hibernates until until like you say some other big public figure promotes it again, and we just go back to square one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I that you know that's what I mean by like it could set us back a generation where it's like ah oh, shit you know we're now we're back to square one again here on this. So you know, I mean. Look, I don't want to sound negative, but I don't believe the government's going to like come out and be like, they're aliens. Like the best case scenario is they're going to say, we don't know what they are and we want to look at them more. Mm-hmm. And, and as Aaron noted, like, who's going to, who's going to look at them more? Wow. Well, conveniently, we have all these, um, you know, military industrial complex, uh, whatever they're called, you know, uh, companies, your Raytheons or your Lockheed Martins or whatever. And, you know, defense contractors, that's the word, you know, and they'll be like, well, it just so happens we, you know, we, we could do that for you, U.S. government. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, well, here's a big, big deal, you know, to do God knows what, to look at these things more. And, you know, that's it. So I don't, I don't really, I don't see, I think I said this on one of your Zoom chats. It's very sort of basic, but that, look at, I'm kind of like, I'm the death to roads of uh of the paranormal i'm the common man it's like my attitude now i just have had enough i've had enough of the pictures okay i've had enough of the shitty videos i've had enough of the crappy scraps of metal that don't mean anything that have been around for fucking decades i've seen it all bring me the fucking aliens or shut up okay (laughs) and i don't care where they come from i don't care if they're from another dimension i don't care if they're from the inner earth I don't care if they live in floating sky cities or they're in a fucking mothership. Just bring me the aliens or stop talking because I don't want to hear it anymore. None of this shit titillates me. It's it's we've seen it all a million times. It's it let you know it's time for the rubber to hit the road. Produce the aliens. I'm always picking on 15 year olds, but to 15 year olds, that shit does titillate them. That's I think that's really the target audience is 15 year olds. Well, I mean to that point, you know, like <laughs> Like what Aaron was saying, I mean, I do think that it's probably going to be able to be tied to specific um, funding for specific programs and things like that. But like DeLong already, you know, let out of the bag a long time ago. I think a lot of this is just kind of like general PR and that's really important. And like, I've seen a lot of talking heads like, oh, well, they have other ways to appropriate money for the military. But, you know, like a giant corporation, they do general PR that isn't a necessarily like a marketing program for a specific product, but just general PR. And when you have these kind of budgets, you do need general PR for new generations. And we're like at the, you know, they're saying it's the end of the war on welfare. So people are thinking about using government money to actually put into the economy and things again. So, you know, they might be eyeing some of these giant defense budgets and and uh you know they could really use this uh pr to suck all this money into the stuff especially for the weaponization of space yeah i think that's a good point and i i think i think uh tim's sort of um promo he cut there on the <laughs> the, the, the aliens I, I think that's that i i sort of share that view it's like if, if you're not going to give me some sort of some some sort of closure to this 75 year narrative, then at least give me a story that's interesting. And, and I just, I don't know, I've read too many interesting UFO stories to be interested by, right. I don't know. I saw some stuff. It was flying around pretty wild. What about a video of a, of a dead alien? Would that do it? 
Let's yeah, a, definitely. I was all for an autopsy. Why can't yeah. somebody come up with an alien autopsy video? I think that'd be great. You could put it on TV. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes could narrate it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Probably buy that. Perfect. Yeah. Rent the VHS of Blockbuster Video. <laughs> no, the statute of limitations on rerunning, like on, on like recycling UFO ideas is like 10 years. So yeah, yeah. we could totally do an alien autopsy and people would, would go for it. Uh, Aaron, have you, have you done an episode on that yet? No, I haven't. I'm not quite caught up. I, I, I haven't. Um, and, and I, um, I kind of, I kind of want to because it's it's an interesting story, um, but it's so, it's so sort of based on television stuff. I mean, there's the background story, but there's, um, there's the you know the Fox Alien Autopsy special, and then there was a a British movie about it, um, about sort of the guys who who did the video or, or who it, it's it's complicated. So sort of doing an audio thing about video is um, sometimes that can be tricky to yeah. do um but with uh with with audio clips that are completely covered under fair use right um that would be that would be possible yeah it's definitely on my on my list of things uh list of things to cover but yeah i, I think i mean there's lots of great interesting ufo stories out there and and maybe this is one from the perspective of the way that that the media uh the ufo media government military industrial intelligence complex um, can can operate a story and get a story out there and how stories spread about this topic and, and sort of you know examine examine what's going on now from the history of of UFOs in the media and government attitudes toward UFOs or, or public government attitudes toward UFOs. Um, but but I don't think we're going to get any you know answers from anything that's coming because I'm not sure there are any answers that could be embodied in a government report um not to go off on the the sort of you know maybe the ufos are in our hearts wing of the you know that school of thought but um but you know i this is all probably weirder than something you can just sort of say yeah it's this um so the report is going to tell us a lot about how the government deals with the topic i don't know the gut that the report is going to tell us much about the topic itself Right. And that's not a bad thing. I would like to have more insight into how the government has been dealing with this particular iteration of all of this. I think that's really interesting. I think that might be more interesting than actual UFOs. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, another thing that's causing a big kind of brouhaha right now is this uh, new Jacques Vallée book. <laughs> Which, as I kind of understand. Trying to get us in trouble? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Of course, I, I haven't. Am. I haven't read it, so I can't get in trouble. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless I'm in trouble for, either. unless I'm in trouble for not reading it. Probably, yeah, yeah. I'm in trouble for not reading it because how could you not read a book by Jacques Vallée? Well, there's a bunch of Jacques Vallée books I haven't read. I don't care. Um, you can find 18 people writing articles about Jacques Vallée books and get the gist of it, right? Um, <laughs> I really liked the, the Jacques Vallée books. I read. I really liked. I think he has been in the past a great thinker on these subjects. I will probably read this book based on what on some of the things I've heard about it, um, just from a sort of reading it and going really sort of you know mode. But um, I, I, I. I don't know. I don't have the necessarily the reverence for Jacques Vallée that some people do. I think he he had some great ideas. I, I think he he probably said some stuff that ended up not being you know super great in hindsight. I I don't. I'm not a Jacques Vallée devo, 
Jacques Vallée, I'm not a valet devotee. So um, I, you know, there are others who um, are much more qualified to, uh, to critique this in light of his previous work or um, defend it for whatever reason. Um, but I, I think the, uh, the, the presence of, of uh, Paula Harris is, is troubling based on the, uh, the history of the, the ideas and uh, of people she's promoted. Um, I think it tends to detract from Valet's credibility rather than add to hers. And yes, I know that's based on not reading it, but it's based on having been around looking at this stuff for a couple decades, right? Um, there are, I mean, if, if, you know, Jacques Vallée had written a, a book with Jaime Massan, you know, or, you know, it, it would be like, oh, wow, wow, respected Mexican journalist. No, you know, Roswell Slides guy, you know, uh, that, yeah. that wouldn't add to Vallée's uh, credit, would, wouldn't add to Massan's credibility to be, you know, linked up with Vallée, if that makes sense, it would really more harm Vallée. And I think, I think, you know, being, uh, being hitched to uh, Paula Harris on this, uh, on this thing is, is probably, um, I don't know. I, I think, it, and the thing is the number of people who know who pa know or care who Paula Harris is, who might buy a book, right? Who knows who Paula Harris is a few people. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, so maybe it won't, who knows who Jack Vallee is in the grand scheme of things. This well, is all being pitched at a very small audience. I don't know. Yeah. yeah to kind of explain to like our audience that might not know. I mean, like, you know, Jack Vallee, has been, of course, you know, author like Passport to Magonia. And, and Aaron, I have that here. I, have I read it? No, I haven't. Because I'm looking. I've, I've read bits. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, but I mean, as I hear it, it's a pretty groundbreaking book, you know. Um, but, you know, he's kind of like the, the king or the, the kind of the proponent of the whole, you know, that there's more going on. There's an interdimensional aspect to it. And then you've got Paula Harris that is kind of much more the opposite. I mean, you can't be any more nuts and bolts than she is when she's talking about extending, uh, you know, diplomatic relations to the intergalactic federation. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are seeing what, what is the conflict. I, I bet you between Paula Harris and Jacques Vallée, they probably see no conflict at all. But And also that this is about a uh supposed saucer crash which if Jacques Vallée has promoted the whole idea of like you know this being the fairies or whatever then there might not be anything there but there might be more to it uh I'm not you know I think Banal and I were talking about that in a private conversation but that's also weird at a weird angle that they're taking with it too so hey yeah hey, I don't it's okay, the fair. Fae folk. Show some respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Fairies Aaron, Aaron pretty much said exactly my take on it. Right. So, I mean, they, they, they seem to be kind of, I don't know. There seems to be a kind of like they're, they're trying to appeal to, to a few, I guess, a, a certain demographic, I suppose. I, I don't know. In, in the wider subculture of uh, ufology. That would just be my take on it. Oh, it looks like uh, looks like the, the the tiles switched around. So is Surfiel going to be back? Did he come out? Did he did he go out? Did he come back in? This is the weirdest. They better leave this in the show if it's being recorded. I, I think this is. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Okay. Oh. 
It's conspiranormal. It's Gullius and Banal. And, and we've <laughs> taken over. Well, that happened with you one other time too, Eric. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 the, I'm cursed. We just started we're talking we're about that Trinity. The last time that was a power outage. Yeah. Start talking about that crash at the Trinity test site. That's what it was. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I, like I was saying, uh, yeah, I echo Aaron's thoughts on this. I'm not a valet devotee. Um, you know, uh, I see a lot of the problematic issues of what this of this book that he mentioned. Um, just to be, just to sort of be a pain in the ass, I'll just say that uh, did, there's a lot of people who are valet devotees, and I feel like they maybe need to kind of be cognizant of that in a way. Because uh, I think it gives them blinders, um, you know. So that would be my my sort of. Because I've seen a lot of people sort of tie themselves into knots to try and to try and make this fit with what they thought they knew um, up until now. So I think that yeah, um, it, that that's kind of my advice to a lot of people, like in this field in general. Just like you know, if be cognizant of where you might have blinders, you know. Yeah, like I loved Stan. I thought Stan, Stan Freeman was awesome, but it's like I disagree with him about MJ12. I didn't. I didn't just go like whistling around all the time and be like, "Stan's right about everything. He's infallible. You can't, you know, he can't go wrong about anything." It was like, "No, nah, I'm pretty sure he's wrong about MJ12." But um, you know, see, so you, you know, it's important to kind of know what your where your where your blind spots are. Um, you know, so, so you don't go. You know, uh, I don't know down a rabbit hole blindly, I guess. I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there, so. (laughs) Right, no, that that totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. We'll we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I'm sure that they're going to do the, I'm sure they'll do this, the show rounds, the podcast rounds, see if I can catch an interview or something with, uh, with, uh, Jacques Vallée. He's, I mean, he's pretty rare. He doesn't give a lot of interviews. I mean, and he's like 80 something years old too. Like he's pretty, yeah, I was trying to figure out how much or how much how much he was, how old he was. Um and I was sort of like thinking back to to when some of his early stuff was written in the late 60s and I was like, "Oh yeah, he's he's getting up there." But yeah, he doesn't do um he doesn't do a lot of interviews and and when he does, they tend to be, you know, stuff like Rogan, right? So it's like mm-hmm. the large massive, you know, audiences like that. So um I suppose if I was in my 80s, I'd do the same thing. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some some interesting news stories. I tried to pick some weird ones from uh, the archives here, Tim. Uh, the dead body in the Stegosaurus. I saw this like on Twitter several times. <laughs> the oh, the guy who died? Yeah. yeah. There's not much to it. I mean, a guy in Spain, a father and son in Spain, they were like at this old disused cinema where they have like a giant paper mache Stegosaurus in front. Um, and they saw something weird. I don't even know. This is the part. If people can see the picture, you should try and like look up the picture of this thing because I don't even understand how this happened. But they saw something inside the Stegosaurus, and so they called the cops. And then the cops came, and it was a dead body. And like somehow this dude got got stuck upside down in the leg of this Stegosaurus. They think he was in trying to reach his cell phone. Um, but I honestly don't, uh, I don't understand how he even got inside this dinosaur. There doesn't seem to be any hole big enough to fit 
a person in. So I'm completely baffled by this story. Um, and it just, it's kind of nightmarish in a way, because presumably he like somehow got into the statue, went head first down into one of the legs and then was just stuck till he died, which I can, and apparently not close enough to reach his phone. So just a nightmare, just a nightmare scenario. Um, you know, so that's horrifying. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. God. I would have just left the phone alone. Like so, there was an entrance into the Stegosaurus. I don't know how. I've looked like, at this yeah. picture of the Stegosaurus. Yeah. Like I've studied it. <laughs> like, like there's no, there doesn't seem to be any discernible. Even the mouth of the thing is wicked small. So it's like there's no. I don't know how he would have got. Like, there's no hole like in even the mouth. So <laughs> I don't get it. I really don't. Unless there's like a hole. This is not. I'm not being. <laughs> I'm not being cheeky. But like, unless there's a hole on the back end of the fucking dinosaur, <laughs> right? Like, because that's the only perspective I haven't seen of this thing. But everywhere else, uh, it's like a completely sealed off dinosaur. So it's like, how do you even get in there? I don't know. Sounds like a good contender there. Yeah, it would have to. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. But then it's like, why would they? Why would they have a hole that's big enough for a man to fit in? In the in the ass of the don like that doesn't <laughs> like that doesn't even make this would have happened before like a child would have crawled up inside of this oh, yeah. like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever how this dude got into that dinosaur um so yeah it's very weird so they they don't suspect any kind of foul play they just think that it was just a just an unfortunate accident yeah that's what they said probably an, an unfortunate accident Based well, on the circumstances of it, again, we don't know how he got in there, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'd almost chalk it up to my favorite uh, death by misadventure. He may have been, <laughs> he, he may have been intoxicated. Like I think he'd have to be kind of drunk a little bit at least to, to, to think that that would be a good idea. Yeah, this is, this is gonna end up in the smiley face killer, killer lore. The guy that ended up in the uh, ass of a Stegosaurus statue. Well, I'll tell you a funny story, okay? This is like, I'll give you a little behind the scenes. So this picture, I, uh, there's a lot There's a lot of pictures. Of the, there's only one picture I could use of the Stegosaurus because um, all, on the opposite side of the Stegosaurus, if you were to look at it like on the other side, uh, someone drew a giant penis on the side on the side of the stegosaurus So all of like the Getty images and shit are like the dinosaur and a, just a big penis on the spray painted on the side of the dinosaur so it was like what what the hell dude like you guys are making my job way harder than it needs to be yeah you couldn't put that up on the coast coast website no that went off big spray pin so what is the significance of the why is there a stegosaurus did they ever go into why the stegosaurus no idea all right it must be just like a kid's thing or something then yeah yeah it looks pretty old uh so yeah no i have no idea the whole thing is pretty baffling to me but no one seems to it's one of those weird stories that no one seems to be able to track down no one bothered to really like ask like all right how'd that guy get in there but i've, I've really it's really baffled me yeah that is Very pretty strange. that is pretty crazy reminds me of the west a lot they got a whole lot of dinosaur statues and road stops and uh yeah museums with animatronic dinosaurs i didn't write about it but there was a story like 
not too long ago, like six weeks ago, that a lady climbed up on the back of like one of those statues and she got stuck. And she was like too afraid. She's like afraid of heights or something. And she climbed like, you know, like 25 feet up. Like she shimmied up the neck of like a, a brontosaurus or some statue. And then they, they had to get like the fire department to come and get her off the dinosaur. Sounds like one of those creationist museums. Could have been. Well, there's, there is the, I mean, I was out there in uh, California. Uh, I was, we went to the Integratron and Giant Rock with Greg Bishop and Walter Bosley. And we actually, on the way back, we stopped at the, there's like a Brontosaurus and a Tyrannosaurus Rex out there on like the Cabazon Indian Reservation. And it's actually in the Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World video. So you actually can see that in the, in it, but, uh, it was actually that's actually what that was it was a creationist museum so this guy built these things and inside the brontosaurus you could walk in there and like that's where the gift shop is now but that's where the museum was back in like i don't know the 60s or 70s or whatever wow is that also the peewee's big adventure dinosaur it might be it might be the same the same place because it's like right outside it's it's pretty close to la I bet it is, yeah, because that was his whole thing going to Hollywood. So, yeah. yeah, out there where, out there, pretty close to where Van Tassel was, you know, as well too. So, there's a lot of weird stuff out there in the desert, man. <laughs> a lot of weird shit. Um, so another one that uh, I picked out here was the this woman in England that accused the neighbor of unleashing ghosts on her. This is uh. This was fascinating. Yeah, there wasn't much to it. That's kind of one of those that you wish that there was like more. Really wish that they, yeah, Cabazon dinosaurs. It says it's what I just looked up. PB's Big Adventure. Um, yeah, it's one of those that you wish they had like a little bit more information, but you can't really, you know, you get you try to find out, but you, there's only so much you can get. Um, but yeah, this woman. Essentially, it's a basic cut and dry story. She called 9199, which is like 911 in, um, in England. That's remi- this reminds me of a story that I'll be writing tomorrow for Coast to Coast. I'll tell you about it in a minute. But because uh, this blew my mind. Um, anyway, yeah, she called 911. She said that her neighbor sent a ghost to haunt her. That's all. That's all like the police report said. And then the police went and assured her that everything was fine, told her not to call 911. So it was like, ah, geez, give me a little more police report like what what why does she believe this um but that was it so who knows you know i don't people call 911 over uh crazy stuff now the thing that you got me thinking about now i ran out of time today to write this so i'm writing it tomorrow for coast to coast by the time people are reading or listening to this it'll be up there but uh so apparently <laughs> where do you guys hear this so apparently there is a fucking 9-11 themed bar in Texas, which is which is ostensibly a, a tribute, a, a memorial to 9-11. Okay. And wow. it's called yeah, and it's called like 9-11, the bar. And if you and if you go inside, there are pictures of of 9-11. And it's like never forget uh all that all that stuff it's really the weirdest thing i've heard in a while where it's like how how do you think this is a good idea dude like 
it's yeah and apparently this is the crazy part it's been around for like since 2013 but nobody some guy drove by and took a picture of it and they were like is this a 9-11 themed bar and then it like went viral on twitter so it's really really weird um yeah it's called bar 9-11 so just very very strange that is crazy yeah what what i why oh man oh here's here i want to go there the bar's owner, I do too. The bar's owner, Brent Johnson, told Texas Monthly that he chose the name after hearing about a survey one September that supposedly found 80%, 80% didn't, of Americans didn't know that the anniversary of 9-11 was approaching. I find that hard to believe anyway. But. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Like, <laughs> what? What? So, yeah. So now this guy's getting ragged on for obvious reasons for having a 9-11 themed bar, but he uh, he's he has no, you know, compunction about it. He thinks it's a he thinks it's a, you know, a caring tribute to that people who died is, in 9-11. I'm you know, if, if I ever am, am killed in a horrible, horrible, you know, act of violence, I really hope somebody just just starts up a bar to it. You know, I mean. I'm not even sure I'm joking. Actually, that would be kind of cool, but only in a like ironic sort of dumb way, I guess. Wow. I'm sure he's looking at it like he's he was doing it like tastefully, I suppose. I, I don't Yeah. Does he have like does he have like exhibits or something? Is he like a like a like a piece of rubble or something like that? I mean like what I'm wondering uh, what this place looks like. It looks like your average it it <laughs> Aaron, you'll uh, yeah, it looks like your bar, a typical bar rescue bar. Like if anything, I would love to see this on bar rescue. It's like in a strip mall. Uh, I'm looking at some pictures of it, and on the wall is like a picture of. Oh my god! Nine eleven. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll send you. I can send you a link on Twitter uh, of, of the picture, a couple of the pictures from it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and on the inside is a picture of like the twin towers on, you know on fire or whatever and like a description a minute by minute description of what was happening on 9-11 um you know and apparently this restaurant was originally called <laughs> rio mambo tex-mex emas <laughs> yeah the restaurant was originally called rio mambo tex-mex emas and they opened on 9-11 so it was like the guy claims that it was such a profound moment uh, you know, the, the greatest day of his life uh, became a tragedy and it stuck with him for so long that, 
in 2013, he turned the bar into a 9-11, a 9-11 theme bar. You know, I've been, uh, as an aside, I've been watching uh, this, this show called The Looming Tower that's about um, the precursors to 9-11 and the kind of like struggle between the FBI and the CIA to get their act together and uh, trying to contain Al-Qaeda and like the missed chances and everything that's been done. And I'm that what that happened and I just watching this stuff and I'm just like, my God, I mean, this was like 20 years ago. And there's part of me that's like, it feels like it was yesterday that it happened almost, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, my roommate, he's a little, he's about 11 years younger than me. So he's like, has a totally different perspective on it. You know, he's like, man, it feels, don't, it feels, feels like it was forever ago, but like, I guess it depended on what age you were when it happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got students who I mean it was twenty years ago this year, right? Um, I got students who are in high school; they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. It's wow. it's history for them. It's um, you know, it, it's it's like it's like Watergate for me, you know, or you know, the end of the or the the helicopters taken off from the roof of the, roof of the embassy in South Vietnam, right? Um, yeah. It's it's like technically, I was alive for that, but. Wait, I no, I wasn't. Never mind. I forgot how old I am. Um, but it, it, it's it's that I really did. Um, it, it's that sort of thing, right? It, it's it's something where, where you know, yeah, it was twenty years ago, and and I was in my twenties. And but yeah. for for young people, I, I can't imagine even as if I'm 22, 23 years old, going into bar nine eleven, that I'm going to think, oh wow, what a cool historical themed bar. Yeah. No, yeah. no, this isn't like a cool old timey bar that has like interesting pictures from the history of the town on the walls. This is, well, here's here's where these uh, these two thousand people died, and over here is this plane in Pennsylvania that went down, and here's the Pentagon. It's like, what what what? what I I I just uh, yeah, I, I it's not, very weird. I would not want to be in that space, eating and drinking and spending money. For yeah. any longer than I had to, if for some reason I ended up there, and that's you know you, you kind of want people to stay and like yeah keep keep drinking you know order another round of appetizers you know or or whatever and it just doesn't seem like a concept that would be welcoming. I don't know. I just right. from, a, from a business perspective, I'm not sure what yeah. the uh, what the deal is. Yeah, a lot of directions with the Tex-Mex thing. He could have gone, you know, like yes. Mexican Revolution, or you know, maybe even Mexican American War. You know, would have been better than that. Like, there's uh, a plaque. There's a there's a cardboard thing. I finally found it. There's a cardboard thing in one of the pictures uh, in Bar 911 that says, uh, "More than a name, more than a date, a state of mind. Never forget, <laughs> ever." What? Yeah. So they're they're trying they're trying to be respectful, but it just comes up as being comes off as being really tacky. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is, yeah. and it's the kind of place that like like Aaron, like Aaron said, and I, I agree with him initially. It's like I kind of want to go there, but then it's like you can't even go there as a joke. You know, like, it's right. like you, you can't. It's yeah. not even cheesy. It's not like cheesy fun where you can go like, well, if I'm in Dallas, I'll just swing by the nine bar nine eleven just to. Just so I can see this place with my own eyes. Yeah, how like, do you ironically go and make fun of a bar dedicated to an idol? You, you, you right. can't make fun of the bar without making fun of the thing the bar is dedicated to. So right. it's not even a good Atlas Obscura spot. You know? 
right. right exactly. It, it's yeah. actually, it, it's it's the dumbest, most brilliant thing ever. It, it's a terrible idea, but you can't criticize it. Like, why do you hate America? You know, it, it's, yeah. yeah, this is, this guy's a genius. <laughs> Call in John Taffer. They need to borrow Please, rescue. I want the, I want that episode more than anything. Oh my God. I can only imagine what John <laughs> Taffer would best. do. The 9-11 theme bar? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably be like you know tell they're real disrespectful or something he's pretty active on twitter maybe tomorrow when i'm working on maybe i'll tweet yeah. after and be like too. be like john have you seen this what do you think of this <laughs> maybe he'll like flip out or something yeah but all you have a history of of, of getting taffer to engage with your tweets yeah so, yeah yeah oh, I think, Okay. I, think, I think I think this needs to happen. I'll definitely tomorrow try and get his attention. So so one final story here. We got to uh, a way that people can make money. Um, the fifty thousand dollar prize with the proof of the uh, Minnesota Lake Monster. Yes, Peppy. Peppy the Lake Monster. It's in Lake Pepin in Lake City, uh, Minnesota, and apparently. For like the last seven years, they've had this. It's been active, I guess you could say. Um, that if you can, if you can prove Peppy the Lake Monster exists, this local businessman will give you fifty grand. But the complicated part is, it's like it's almost impossible to do because, not, regardless of whether Peppy exists or not, because uh, you not only have to take a picture of the the Lake Monster, but you somehow have to produce a piece of it. You have to get like a fin or some skin. How? I have no idea. But then the the biological material from the from the lake monster will then would then be analyzed by a specialist at the University of Minnesota biology department. And if they determine that it's an unknown species residing in the lake, and your photo is uh, authentic, then they'll give you the fifty thousand dollars. So it's kind of like. I mean, I, I don't know anybody even like in the history of like like uh, Loch Ness monster or whatever that's like oh I, I grabbed I grabbed onto it and pulled and pulled this thing off of it or whatever so I don't know yeah sounds like it's just gonna lead to some overfishing yeah exactly yeah figure like it's a big fish dude so which is probably what it is like a sturgeon or something like that they almost always are <laughs> yeah most of the time right. All right, let's get into some uh, saucer life here with you. Okay, one of my uh, favorite podcasts. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I I agree. You've done some uh, saucer life is awesome. Some really great work with this stuff, and I wanted to talk a little bit about let's let's get into Richard Boylan. I think I'm oh yes yes let's get let's get another still living old man angry at me. That's yes yeah. Was there another was there another old man that got angry at you? Yeah, I, called out on the show. Yeah, uh, Cosmic Ray. Yeah, no, Cosmic yeah. Ray. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I dragged Cosmic Ray for his dismissive, um, dismissive approach to the Mitchell sisters. And uh, did you know that Cosmic Ray was alive when you? Oh yeah, I, okay. I just right. never. But he like barely has an email address, much less like any other internet presence. So I had no idea he would actually hear the show. Um, it was, a, it was a gamble I shouldn't have taken. Um, but um, no, Cosmic Ray and I worked out our differences. Um, I, uh, I, I, I sort of penned an open letter there on the website where I, I did not come down from any of my criticisms of his work, but I did 
you know, very graciously admit that I should not have called him a piece of trash. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm generous, um, you know, in victory. I, I, I should not have stomped him that badly. He's probably going to listen to this and come after me again. But um, no, no, Cosmic Ray. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to start a feud with Cosmic Ray. I've got no beef with Cosmic Ray. Um, we, we had a nice email exchange and, and agreed that if we'd ever, we are, we were in the same place at the same time, I'd buy him a beer. But um, no, he, he, seem, he, seem, he seems like a very interesting, um, fun gentleman, actually. We'll see if we can invite Cosmic Ray to Nashville. No, please do not. <laughs> <laughs> you, can have a, you can have a drink at the Flying Saucer downtown. That's true. I, I've been to the Flying Saucer in Nashville. It's, uh, oh, nice. It's, okay. it's, it's, been a, it's been a long time. It's probably been about uh, 13 years since I've been there. But yeah, I've been to the one in Nashville and the one in Memphis. So I love, uh, I love the Flying Saucer. For it's, the beer, it's, not it's the flying a, sauce. It's appropriately named, the, and the beer is good, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, so this guy, Richard Boylan. Yeah. The star seed, uh, I guess, star child narrative that he has, and there's something with hot tubs. And- yeah, Boylan's interesting because um, for, for those of us who, who sort of got into the, the UFO scene online back in the 90s, he was sort of one thing, and if you were to sort of look into Richard Boylan now in 2020, you would come to a very different opinion. Um, back in the 90s, he was a, um, I, I don't want to say standard, but almost a, a standard abduction researcher. He's a, a psycholo- he was a licensed clinical psychologist with a, uh, with a PhD in psychology, um, degrees in anthropology. He was an, an educated guy. He had credentials. He, he was, you know, he was legit. And he started working with, um, with with people who believed they had been abducted, and he had had his own experience as well. And um, his abduction um, I, uh, patients, I guess, um, I know that word is, I mean, if, if, if I were to say patients in front of Jack Brewer, he and I would have a discussion about what the best term would be, <laughs> patients versus victims. But um, let's just be generous and say patients. Um, it, they they all invariably had positive experiences and as, as opposed to um you know the david jacobs style abduction scenario with uh medical experimentation and 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 probing and and the like so i just liked how i said that probing and the like <laughs> um but uh but boylan um there's a if you ever get a hold of the um collected uh articles from the uh greg bishop's excluded middle magazine there is an interview with Boylan from the late nineties where he goes into, into this. And it's an interesting um, sort of look into his um, view that the abductions are, are, you know, benign. The, the aliens are benevolent, negative abduction experiences are the result of hypnotists imposing their views, which I think is a bit of projection on his part um, or uh, mill abs, military abductions, sort of, sort of abductions and experimentation designed to, discredit the uh discredit the aliens so he's got this very positive view of the aliens in the 1990s he um you mentioned the hot tub uh he is disciplined and has his uh licensure revoked by the state of california um for various things uh the hot the nude hot tub therapy 
is <laughs> um, with his female patients is the most often cited. I think it's the most often cited because that was the angle that uh, Jim Mosley really played up in Saucer Smear back in uh, 94, 95, sometime around there, because, you know, the perennial sex and saucers, you know, section of the news and in, in saucer smear was, I mean, it was, it was made for that, but there were other things. Um, his abduction, um, his abduction um, patients, they, they, many of them testified that they were um, sort of guided into believing this was, an abduction and alien experience rather than, you know, them believing it was to begin with. There were, um, you know, some of these, uh, some of these women and they were, the complainants were, were all women, as far as I can recall, um, had histories of, um, you know, very abusive histories, sexual abuse, um, drug addiction, things like that. Um, he, he made them go to UFO conferences, they alleged, um, as a, as a therapy or to expose them to, you know, the wider universe that they were being inducted into. And overall through the testimony that, um, that was given and and, and the rulings and things you, you get, you really get the impression that he was manipulating, uh, manipulating these patients, um, in his defense, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not defending him. He said in his defense that, um, wait, in defending himself, comma, he said, that's probably the best way for me to distance myself from what follows, that, um, that the, the women who were accusing him of things were, were all um, homely, obese, and lesbian. Oh my God! Uh, yes, it was. It was it, those three things were included. Um, he he might have thrown in poor or uneducated as well. Uh, basically, attacked their credibility in a a very ad hominem way, uh, hominem hominem whatever uh, way. Um, when his licenses were revoked, he um, he claimed some connection between one of the psychologists on the board. Um, to military intelligence. This was all a smear campaign, of course, to discredit him. The cabal, as he called them, were um, were trying to uh, were trying to take him out. And so, so once he once this all happened, he was free to sort of pursue the UFO side of it um, completely. And and he, um, you know, starts to go down the road of uh, there's two roads he goes down, sort of parallel to each other. One is. The, um, the star children or the star seeds, the, the, the hybrid children of the aliens being incarnated here on Earth, and also his own role as um, the counselor for Earth, sort of the Earth's yes. ambassador and representative to the, uh, the, galactic, uh, the galactic council or something like that. And you can go to uh, drboylan, drboylan.com, B-O-Y-L-A-N, and uh, check out these things for yourself. Um, I'm not making them up, despite the fact that if I were to have made them up and written a book about it, I probably could have sold those film rights and had a good time. But uh, because this, because it's wild. But um, he's an ambassador. He also believes he is one of the star seeds that he was incarnated on Earth to do all of these things. But but the star seeds and star kids thing is is really wild. You can download his book, uh, his star kids book, free on the site. But I, and I'm, oh, that's I'm, amazing! I'm going to go tonight. It's it's nuts. Um, and I'm 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 getting long winded here, but but the, the way he detects star seeds, I mean I mean the, the list of <laughs> traits is basically almost any kid in a gifted and talented class yeah. is oh obviously <laughs> they're a star seed. Um, and he would 
use. <laughs> I'm sorry. He would. Um, he would. I had to record this stuff so many times on the on the actual podcast episode because I kept laughing. He went to various locations with a dowsing rod and sat there observing young children yeah. to see if the dowsing rod moved. And he he went to Disneyland in Southern California, but also because you know to 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 test minorities and the poor, he also went to some rundown areas outside of Sacramento, uh, which is just the most condescending it's he's 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 got some um he's got some he's a little problematic as the kids might say um in some ways uh but uh but you know amazingly like 99 percent of the kids he saw were star kids therefore you know humanity is on the cusp of a a huge evolutionary leap right um but uh he also claimed that um he was observing some some young adults and teenagers at a nudist colony playing volleyball. And, and he discerned uh. that, that, that all the student, all the young people who were enthusiastic about nudism or naturism as nudist perverts call it, um, were uh, judgmental about the nudists a little bit. Um, I'm kidding. You nudists are okay. Um, that, that, that the peop, young people who were enthusiastic about nudism were star seeds uh not all star seeds are nudists not all nudists are star seeds but just to make that caveat there just to make just that to caveat just, but yeah. but he claimed that that star seeds are more open about their bodies and, and and the kids who were maybe a little shy about stripping off and playing volleyball in front of the old man with the dowsing rod were were probably not as evolutionarily advanced yeah as yeah. um as the rest it's it's wild um he back in the 90s back in the 90s there was this one of the one of the posts on on usenet that he made back in the day he said that the whole sort of sinister abduction scenario was designed to um to to paint grays as cosmic n-word um and words um and and describe yeah and like he didn't say n-word he said you know but um i mean i mean there are young people who might say well it was a different time no it wasn't you you couldn't say that in 1996 any more than yeah. you should say it now um i was there you, you people would have said something right but um he, he's got a, a, a problematic attitude towards race um i he's weird sounds like he has every problematic attitude <laughs> he he at least he doesn't he isn't very um he isn't very good at presenting himself in the best light to people who might not yeah. be interested in what he's pushing. Um, I, I, I suspect he comes across much better to people who are already primed to, um, to, to believe that. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to, I looked up drboylan.com. First thing that came up was the star kid star seed identification questionnaire. Oh wow, you gotta download that one. And it's uh sounds like a good Patreon. So it's score of twelve, probably a star kid. Score of sixteen, most likely a star kid. Score of twenty plus, absolutely a star kid. So I'll just read the first few here. The child has a larger than average head for his her height age and height, especially in the front or top of the head, yeah, equals one. The child has an average body temperature below 97.6 degrees Fahrenheit, 36.0 degrees Celsius equals one. 
The child's birth was notable for there being a strange presence or figure in the delivery room or an aura glow noted around the child or their crib equals two. So if you noticed that, then that, that gets a two. Uh, the child began saying a number of words clearly by six months of age, at least one year before the average talking age of 18 months equals one. And it just goes on and on and on. There's like how many criteria? There's 54 of these <laughs> and if you get 20 or more you are absolutely a star kid wow yeah it's i mean everybody's a star kid you know it, it, it's it's just it's it's um it's not ideal you know um it, it, it's it's weird because he's got these meetings um I don't, I don't know how many he does anymore he's another guy who is really getting up there in years but back in the, the early 2000s through about 2012, he was having like, like weekend seminars. And there's a lot of, along with this, and this shouldn't surprise anybody who's been sort of around the UFO scene for a while or some aspects of the UFO scene, there's a, a lot of appropriation of Native American stuff. Um, a, a lot of, you know, Native Americans, you know, really, if you look at their religion, they're they're religion yeah they're religion because yeah. there was just one right one group of people yeah, they're, they're all they're all just you know hanging out with kevin costner out west right um if, if you look at their that's a dated reference um if, if you look at their religion you can see the parallels to the star people's religion therefore the native americans are are the star people because it, it sort of goes back to this, mm. this sort of noble savage myth with native americans there's there's a whole bunch of stuff i could talk about with that but um, there are other people who are better suited for it um but but he he brings in a, a huge variety of of things like that and it's um it's uh it, it, not to not to denigrate, denigrate anybody, but it's nuts and it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, his website is great. I'm looking at it and it is like it's just like blast from the past '90s. <laughs> like it has not. It <laughs> you can tell it hasn't changed since like 1993 or something like that. And he just keeps adding to it too. Yeah, um, I, I think the the most at least the last time I looked at it, the most recent um, entry was uh, the mothership was coming to provide a cure for COVID. Um, oh, they were meeting oh, with the United nice. Nations. Yeah, That's what they got. yeah. So I mean, that was uh, that was about uh, I think that was in like summer last year. So I'm not sure what happened. Um, I hope he's okay. <laughs> I I I don't know if he's updated. What was the other one you were talking about? Where <laughs> I was listening to this today, you were talking about how. He had like this, the, these, these helper aliens, and he had like the list of twelve of them. Yes, and then like Amanda uh, helps out with the uh, with with the scientific research. And- yeah, it's like he was <laughs> casting a movie. He's like, here are the aliens who have come to help us, and he runs out. There's scientists, and there's bot, and different kinds of scientists, and then like. Like there was some like like very normal sounding person who like helps with scheduling or something like that. <laughs> like something very, very bland sort of sort of plugged in at the end. It's um, and and he wrote a novel uh back in the '90s called Project Epiphany, where he he sort of, you know, sort of fan fiction terms. He had a self insert character that was basically supposed to be him, and you know he teams up with this beautiful woman and they right. uncover the cabal. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Honestly, why, why would you not? Um, I mean, if I ever write anything, I'm, I'm definitely just like, okay, yeah, so I'm the main character and, and this person's hot and I'm with her. Um, because 
I'm writing it, right? So, you know, Richard Boylan, you know, not, not, uh, that's not out of line, I don't think. Um, it's a little creepy when you're in your, your, I think, probably 50s at the time, but a uh, little. This is that kind of like Poke Runyon stuff, Serfiel. Does he write like weird science fiction like that? Like, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so Project Epiphany ends with, you know, the United Nations declaring that they will, um, they will, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, accept the aliens and 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 sort of you know want to join the cosmic brotherhood it's not a great book um maybe that i mean maybe that goes without saying i've read some really bad books in my time um but uh this this one is not is not good um its biggest flaw is that like most really bad fiction it's overwritten um it's just long and wordy and um never really gets anywhere there's there's like 300 pages and 100 pages of plot and uh it's not good but um, you read these things so we don't have to Aaron. yeah that's what it, that's what it is that is that is what i do that my, my podcast is basically just sort of a public service at this point it's like, Please don't read this. you know you don't need to do this it's um don't watch this don't read this i i should you know i do the read these books episodes occasionally and i, I should you don't read these books? I, I was like, should I do a don't read these books? I'm like, well, most episodes are don't read these books. Uh, so that, 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 that's basically, um, I've, you know, well, that's what historians do. We don't, you don't need to go into the archives and read, you know, 8,000 letters from this person to that person. Somebody who does this for a living has done this for you. And you can just read this, you know, th this book that sort of talks about, you know, what has been gathered from, you know, this correspondence or these documents. So, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, let's let's go with that. I'm not some kind of masochist reading bad UFO books. Uh, one to uh, yeah. The, uh, by the way, the Cabal actually is called what Janus, isn't that the name? Yeah. J N U S. That's the name. It's it's like Spectre. Yes, it, it's it's very um, it's very uh, it's very movie ish. It's very derivative. Um, uh, it, it's. It's derivative, not just of UFO stuff, but it's derivative of like, yeah, like Spectres, like action movies. Um, yeah, it's, it, but you know, he's, he's made a good living with his dowsing rods and his nudism and his weekend seminars and his hot tubs. And, <laughs> and that's all stuff he's written about or is in the public record. So none of that's actionable. Uh, so, but that's as much as I'll say, but it, it's just weird. He's weird. Yeah. Um, and, and not just UFO weird. I think just weird. I really, honestly, I want to do a movie about one of these guys, like a fictional portrayal, like all these people that one are these just these shysters, like, yeah. the, the, like the, like the Jonathan Reed kind of people, and all. And just, to, just to do like, like what is this person's life like, yeah. like, like you know, on a daily basis, yeah. and just all the bullshit that they come up with, you know. That's a question I have, Aaron. Do you think that the, these are kind of like, um this is kind of a certain era of this type of researcher who's just able to just go way overboard with all this stuff and, and be a terrible person pretty much and kind of get away with some of this and have some people still follow them. Do you yeah. think that's kind of over with like now? Yeah. yeah. I think social media has sort of, uh, has sort of ended this. Um, any, any sort of, I mean, if, if if Twitter had been around in 1995, Richard Boylan <laughs> would have been over before he started. He would have been, um, he would have been the the bizarre, misogynistic, homophobic, 
racist weirdo um, that uh, that that a lot of UFO dumb would have condemned and a um, you know well uh, shoot it's it would have been 1995 UFO Twitter he would have been fine um, probably um, people would have said I think people probably would man eh, I don't know people are always willing to go with the did he really say the things he said or are people just amplifying things and blowing that out of proportion to wreck his credibility because they know he's getting at the truth uh, there's always a a sort of cadre of people who will who will do that but yeah I, I think I think the era of being able to be like that and um and, and gain a massive following is um is is over because the whole this is i don't know um in the early days of the internet anybody with a website seemed kind of vaguely yeah. important and of equal importance um because you know websites you had to you know hand code stuff and it was you know it was it was a little bit more labor intensive and it was they were much more content based and you had your own sort of place on the internet now um i think social media um has sort of you know made it so you know it's very clear to see who the big shots are in something by their follower count or you know the number of 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 likes or retweets or, or favorites or things like that so i i think the idea of the internet being a a leveling mechanism um is is in the past and and so it would be much harder for somebody to gain traction and there's so many more voices out there that are making noise there was the um what was it called the phone home thing that was a month or two ago um where they had like all these speakers for like a couple minutes a piece. And it was like a list of like 90 people and a third of them were just Twitter handles. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like, you know, big names. And then, you know, UFO guy 72 will also be speaking or, or, or something like that. So I don't know, the, the internet's just gotten, gotten weird. That's, uh, that's not a, a, a great sort of, you know, cogent thought, but. Well, and it's just like so much, there's so much room for public criticism. Whereas like back in the day, maybe, you know, you might have a heckler at a convention or something like that, but, uh, or someone call into art bell and, and talk shit. But you know, now it's like, if you come out and say outlandish things, sometimes, you know, you can just have this barrage of criticism. It's probably a lot harder to say some of the like really outlandish stuff, but then again, uh, maybe not for other things, but I think for UFO dumb, maybe. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh before we we stop here. Uh I also listened to the uh Fate magazine in the fifties. That was oh, an yeah. interesting episode. Yeah. So you looked at some I guess some of the older Fate magazines. Yeah, a lot of them were up on um archive.org, the Internet Archive. And um nice. there's some there's some interesting stuff in there. Uh because I, I think a lot of people sort of I mean don't necessarily think of fate as just a ufo magazine but it's, it's sort of you know in that in that realm but the the early issues of fate um in especially the early 1950s were, were much more focused on on uh, spiritualism much more focused on um ghosts and uh and, and monsters and legends and things like that always you know there were all, always a few ufo stories in there but um it was it was interesting stuff, and um, I think one of the things about Fate that I always loved is are the um, the ads 
that are in them for for yeah. bizarre books that you can't find anymore. Or, All the Rosicrucian stuff is really good. Yeah, you can you can join the Rosicrucians, which is uh, which is always a good time, and um, you can you can learn mystical powers through some sort of correspondence course or, or get a magical amulet or something like that. And it, what's weird is you know if you look at Fate magazine from the the 50s, 60s, 70s. 80s even in the 1990s if you look at the ads like especially the small ads in the back you know there's not a lot of change you know the the rosicrucians are still you know coming at you wanting you to join up um there's, there's it's, it's just a lot of fun um there was some some great stories in there uh there's a ufo story from canada uh, a mine a mining town in canada and what was interesting is, is this story was originally printed in the mining company's employee newsletter, and then Fate picked it up, um, and then it was picked up by uh, Harold T. Wilkins in his um, book Flying Saucers on the Attack. He sort of picked it up from Fate magazine, and then in, I think it was uh, Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia, he sort of, you know, just based on Wilkins' book, puts it in his catalog of a certain type of sighting or something. So Jacques Vallée is there. And then, like, there's an interview with the son of the guy who wrote it. It's like, oh, yeah, dad made it up. It was fun for the, the you know, employee <laughs> newsletter. Everybody knew that. Nobody thought that was real back in 1954 or whatever. But no, now it's in, now it's in like, Passport to Magonia as, as well. There was also this case at this mining camp in Canada. It's like, well, yeah, that was made up um but you know it was you know you see it in um in books and in magazines and you assume it's uh it's it's real but it's not necessarily real that doesn't mean it's a hoax it just means it was a joke it wasn't an intentional attempt to deceive but it was um just a bit of uh, just a bit of fun that got out of hand yeah well, this has been a great year for Saucer Life. I really liked all the all the '90s personalities too, and and you know the nostalgia uh, for things I can actually remember is really great. And I want to thank you for like uh, alerting me to all those Area 2000 shows on archive. Oh yeah, and it's really interesting to see the the genesis of the Art Bell show on there. Brought to you by Bigelow, of course, which they like. They say at the beginning of every episode, yeah. which I thought was real wild. Yeah, um, everything old is new again, right? You know, he he keeps he keeps popping up every uh, every every few years. You got uh, Bobby Bigelow throwing money at UFOs for some reason. Um, yeah, the the Area Two Thousand stuff is interesting because it's, it's it's like it's like the prequel to Coast to Coast or Dreamland, right? So it's it, it's Art Bell, but it's not quite Art Bell, but it's more Art Bell than some of those early Coast to Coasts where he was still kind of just a, a late night political talk show host who occasionally looked at weird stuff. Um, it's it's really more of a precursor to Dreamland, I think, because Dreamland yeah. was always the, the 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 paranormal show. But you've got you know you've got um, those episodes of Linda Moulton Howe on there. You've got uh, I think there's a Bob Bob Lazar episode. Um, uh gosh what's his name uh the the guy the the reporter guy sort of tabloidy ufo reporter guy in las vegas who george knapp 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 i couldn't remember his name um yeah he's on there you know with his with his with his nap update or, or yeah yeah he was like his correspondent yeah so it, it's you know and, and speaking of of people who pop up perennially in this field george knapp um popping up again and again um 
he always does sort of the UFO beat. I assume he's done other kinds of journalism, but I don't live in Las Vegas, so I don't care. So, um, and it really has this vibe of like imminent disclosure throughout all those episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume it happened at some point that it really sounded like it was going to be soon. So <laughs> I, I probably just missed it. Right. Um, I was, I was, I was getting my hair cut, um, which people who've seen pictures of me know that I, I probably was not, but, um, so it, it, it's, it's interesting. Those TV shows or those radio shows are, are an interesting piece of, of sort of what UFOdom was doing in the early 90s, but also uh, showing how, how Art Bell, you know, there, there's always this sense that um, I think sometimes people who are really into UFO, UFOs especially, but other paranormal things too, but UFOs especially, are always kind of surprised when they listen to enough Art Bell to realize that Art Bell was not necessarily up on all the ufo stuff he yeah you can kind of see his learning curve in those episodes and, and so he was not i i i mean my view of it and and you know tim be silent do not speak on behalf of coast to coast under any circumstances <laughs> um my my view is is that that art you know and this isn't original to say art was at his heart a radio guy not a ufo guy and and the yeah. paranormal and UFO stuff is you know he saw he saw a niche that nobody else was filling on a national level at the time, and what's interesting with the Area 2000 episodes is you see that that you know the the, the Bigelow angle was you know I, I don't know maybe this is true maybe I'm just making it up maybe I'm just speculating was Bigelow looking for somebody who would be good enough to get the stuff out to a national audience and so yes. was was this sort of sort of Art Bell being um being groomed to be the voice of paranormal media in the 1990s was it not just well we hit on this thing that people seem to like so we decided to do that when you look at area 2000 it seems much more deliberate yeah and how much that influenced um you know all of us and so many people into this stuff it's like yeah. wow is this all just ultimately come from Bigelow's funding you know it's like right what year what year was that Aaron? Oh gosh! Like, like in the mid '90s, though, right? Ish. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, I think, I it, think was it was like, like 90, 91, like '92, '93, something okay. like that. Yeah, early on. But yeah, those episodes are great. Um, but if anyone hasn't listened to your show in a long time, I would really say first go to your uh, was it your Christmas or end of the year special because you showcased a. Uh, like a secret tape uh, of an interview that <laughs> yeah. you had uncovered somehow. Yeah. Um, the Christmas uh, special. Um, I don't know what you, I mean, that was mysteriously showed up in the mail. Yeah. Right? A, a, a tape showed up at the headquarters of Chizo media. Um, and, and it, it's, um, it's between uh, some reporter who probably handed it off to me um, and, uh, and, and a, a three-star general who, uh, who had secret information and, um, and and yes, it was very actually what it was is I, I sort of dramatized it from an old Usenet post, um, and it was uh, just one of the the sort of silly sort of skits that we had. Um, this I think this is the second or third time we've done sort of a a a, a Christmas variety show episode, and um, we had some um, Roberta and Sasha, uh, two of our guest voices, did some readings of the descriptions of, uh, Krampus themed erotic romance novels. Um, and also Santa being an alien erotic romance novel. Um, I'm still not entirely sure how I got them to do that. 
but uh, they 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 did a great job actually. Um, they did a great job, and uh, we um, we we did um, a, a lot of stuff. I, I looked into uh, some of the uh, the the paranormal aspects of uh, bingo uh, bingo newsletters a bit. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, some some bingo newsletters and uh, sort of tie-ins with uh, with with paranormal media. It's it's weird. It's it's a, it's a weird episode, um, but it was fun to do. It was uh, it was complicated to do with uh, with COVID, especially with a a, a flare up um, a flare up here in um, in Michigan. Sort of recording everything uh, everything remotely and getting it to sound uh, good with everybody sort of using their own their own equipment. It was, it was fun to do. And we're going to be doing more of that sort of thing in the future. Um, we've, we've got, we've got plans. We've got plans for, uh, especially now that we can, you know, get together with people and, and, and record. So we've got plans for more, for more silly stuff. Aaron, what was the book that you, uh, that the, the, the fiction book that you found in the copy of the, the, in the, uh, fate magazine, that was like the had like the mermaid on the cover. Oh shoot! I I can't remember the name of it. It was oh I I can see the mermaid. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I can't remember. Shoot! Very excellent, guys. Uh, and you guys are going to be joining us for for the Strange Realities Conference, as we mentioned before. Um, uh, so Tim. You were yeah, going to be here in Nashville. We've already decided that, actually. Absolutely. And I think you have an idea of what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm kicking this around. It's slightly inspired by Aaron's new book, in a way, um, uh, and, and my own sort of observations about shit that's happened in the last few years. But so the idea is sort of, uh, the title is sort of jokingly, When Prophecies Succeed, and it's this idea of like what happens to these communities of mystery researchers when a mystery is solved. And I'm going to look at like uh, the uh, Golden State Killer. Uh, that was like this big, this uh, this terrible uh, mass offender in California that people would like. It's like the uh, web sleuths. That's the word I was looking for. Web sleuths. It, it had its own like whole community of web sleuths, and everybody had their own suspect and they parsed over all the stuff and then they caught the guy using dna and the community like went through this weird metamorphosis um you know with with all kinds of like reactions of like all the stages of grief essentially where the mystery was over um and i i kind of was fascinated by that initially when it happened and then last summer, uh, someone found the Forest Fen treasure, which was this treasure that was hidden in the Rocky Mountains. Similar kind of story where uh, it had inspired a whole online world of people trying to figure out where this treasure was. And then like overnight, the mystery was over. Somebody had found the treasure. And then it was like, okay, what happens? What happens when the mystery is solved? What happens to these communities? So I have a couple of examples and I'm going to dig into that and sort of talk a little bit about what happens to these communities. I'm on the lookout now for maybe like a third mystery um, that's yeah. been solved. Well, you're going to, you're going to have one when the government reveals aliens in the next few months. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. Next month. Man. You never know. 
What, what is what is Aaron Golius going to do then? Well, yeah. I, I realized that you might ask me this um, when you asked Tim, so I thought I better think of a topic. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking, I'm leaning towards saucer criminals. So some examples, nice. some fun stories of uh, of people in the flying saucer world who have. Um, I think I'm going to just in the interest of narrowing things down, lean toward people who've actually been convicted in a court of law right. of some kind of crime that um, usually but not always relates to their saucer activities. So there's going to be some Reinhold Schmidt because I love Reinhold Schmidt. Uh, there's going nice. to there's going to be some um, some Dr. Frank Stranges and his, I believe, uh, small airplane full of the marijuana. Um I think the marijuana probably <laughs> I think there's um and and um there's there's some other people who've uh who you can y'all can probably fill in the blanks on, on who some other criminals are and and some allegations and, and things like that so saucer crime is is the angle I think I'm going with all right excellent excellent I'm I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to to that and uh I I, I know that uh you'll be happy to know also that uh Ron Ormond is actually buried somewhere around here in Nashville. So nice. I'm going to try to find it. We need to make a pilgrimage. Um, by the way, the name of the book was called Kinsman of the Dragon. Oh, yes. And uh, it has a picture of a mermaid riding a dragon on it. And it's every occultist will recognize its hidden truths is what it says. So yeah, everybody join us in Nashville or online and uh, you'll get to interact with these guys. I'm sure it'll be a blast. Yep. All right. And uh, Aaron, where can people find the Saucer Life? Uh, they can find it at saucerlife.com or Saucer Life on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, wherever you find podcasts, you can search Saucer Life. Um, you can you can even search for things that are only vaguely like the Saucer Life. Uh, my I saw my dad last week, and he told me that he was um, he he was excited to tell I think one of his doctors about the podcast. Um, you should listen to my son's podcast, Saucer Tales. Um, and I was like, Dad, no. That's not the name of it. He's like, are you sure? Yes, dad, I'm sure. Um, but I, I searched Saucer Tales and Saucer Life was like the first result. So you can search for, for any, anything almost vaguely about the show. That search engine optimization. Goal. That's right. That's right. And uh, Tim, where can people find Banal of America? Uh, Banalofamerica.com. B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. And if you want to... Uh, read my stuff it's at uh coast to coast am and we didn't really get a chance to talk about but you've had some really great shows lately tim i've really been digging it yeah it's been uh yeah it's been fun uh, it's been different uh marin was on recently it's kind of yeah. like old home week i was just like all right well i was joking with aaron and jack and adam go rightly it's like I, I, i'm probably like the laziest podcaster uh paranormal podcaster out there it was just pretty much anyone who I talked to, uh, you know, in, in online, I was just like, Hey, why don't you come on Friday and talk and do a show? Um, so, but it was fun. It was good to catch up with folks, um, that haven't, I haven't been able to do a long form interview with like in two or three or four years. So, uh, yeah, it's been cool. And then this summer I'll try and do a lot of, you know, I think I'm going to, we're wrapping it up this Friday with Vaney. And then I think I'm going to take like a month off and come back you know, maybe around July 4th or something for like another series of episodes with a uh, first time guest, I think, because I've got some people I want to talk to that 
Cool. I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. So yeah, Binal, B-I-N-N-A-L-L -L of America.com. So that's it. All right. Excellent, guys. We're looking forward to uh, hanging out with you guys either virtually or here at the Strange Realities Conference. And guys, we will be back to uh, close out the show on Conspiracy Normal. That was a great little uh, jam session with Tim Banal and Aaron Gullius. Tim Banal from Banal of America and Aaron from, of course, The Saucer Life, which uh, both of those are a couple of our favorite shows. So we're glad to Two have those guys. Two of our favorite guys. people as well. Yeah, um, they're going to be joining us at the Strange Realities Conference. And like I said before, Tim is definitely going to be here. And Aaron, uh, I think maybe he will be as well. But uh, guys, we are doing the Strange Realities Conference this year, October 15th, 16th through the 17th. And we are going to have 21 speakers in this year of the Lord 2021. Just didn't realize that till a couple of weeks ago that I had done that. Whoa. So, uh, some of those will be here in Nashville at SIR, and some of those will be streaming online, and we will be streaming the entire thing online. So, you actually have two choices. You can either stay home and watch it, or you can come. What we would really like you to do is come join us for the party on at in Nashville. October 15th through the 17th. And that's uh, $70 to join us for all three days. And it is $30 to join us online. So anything else that we want to say about that? I just want to encourage people to come if you can. Um, there's really something intangible about it that isn't even necessarily about the great uh, content in the, in the presentations. I mean, there's just something about getting together with like minds and uh, communing that, uh, it's hard to replicate uh, online, but if you are, you know, bound by uh, space and time to not be able to come, then uh, the online conference is a lot of fun too, and we should have some hangouts and things like that. We're really just uh, trying to blend the uh, two worlds together with this year's conference. Right, exactly, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a lot of informative information. And we're going to have a lot of other stuff at the conference as well. So, guys, come check that out. Uh, of course, links to this episode will be linked to Eventbrite where you can buy those tickets. And also, you can go now to strangerealitiesconference.com. I am slowly uh, revamping the website to show. But there are some of the speakers from last year are actually going to be speaking this year. So, just keep that in mind. But I uh, hope to have that updated here in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, all right. Well, if you guys want to support us on Patreon, that is available as well. Uh, www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal. We look at sell a lot the of great sizzle, stuff. Adam. That's right. Yeah. I'm not selling the steak. Um, so come join us um, there as well. Uh, we do post an episode every single week. Patreon episode content of some type. So, all right. I think that's it. Uh, you're going to be joined uh, by our good friend Chris Corey, who's going to be uh, joining us on the main show. Um, Looking forward to that. That's been yep. a long time. Coming. That's going to be more of a video episode, too. So, all right, guys. We will talk to you later, and uh, we'll see you later on Conspiranormal.
you would like to help the show, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.